Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. Hello. Today I want to speak to you about your 2020 faith journey. Last week we spoke about the personal New Year resolutions that we make and how we can seek to sustain those resolutions we've started if we will choose to live by principle instead of pressure. And we concluded that message by acknowledging that everything driving our lives externally is determined by our internal spiritual condition. That means it's important for us to have a vision for our inner faith journey and not just a list of our external resolutions. At Southside Church, we're so passionate about ensuring that our souls are well kept, that there's a prayer that we embrace and pray over our congregation and our community that comes out of the book of Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 18 in the New Testament. And it's a prayer that was written by the Apostle Paul for the early church. It's become now our prayer for you. And this is what the prayer says. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We pray for a deeper revelation of God in your personal life, freedom from baggage so you can see the purposes God has for you and begin living in the riches of his glorious way of life by making a difference in the lives of others in 2020. And so I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, how do I envision my faith journey flourishing in 2020? We can have all the external resolutions we want to fulfill for the year, but everything driving our lives externally will be determined by our internal spiritual condition. So we have to have vision for our personal faith journeys. What is it that you're trusting God to do in your personal life as part of your spiritual growth? It may be that you want to deepen that personal relationship with him. It might mean that you want to go on the journey of finding freedom from baggage in the past. It might mean that you want to focus more on living out of his purposes for your life or getting involved practically in making a difference in the lives of others. This is vision. And vision takes you in a very specific direction toward destiny. Years ago, I was asked to do a renewal of vows for a couple. They had a venue in an area called Miller's Point, and I planned on rushing from a friend's wedding in an area called Takai to get to this couple's vow renewal ceremony. As I got to the end of my friend's wedding ceremony, I looked at the time and I realized I was going to be late in getting to the venue at Miller's Point. I had a vision of where I needed to go, but I knew I wouldn't be there on time. And then a friend sitting next to me saw me getting concerned about the time restraints and invited me to jump into his car so that he could lift me to the venue I needed to get to. The thing about this friend is that he worked for Viglietti. The thing about the car he invited me to jump into is that it was the Quattro Sport Maserati. He had his advanced drivers in these vehicles and he understood and had had training in the technology behind them. And so he began 
the drive to the vow renewal ceremony. For me, it was one of my greatest moments of digging into my faith that God was with me through the valley of the shadow of death. For him, it was simply a joy ride. I remember um, just being overwhelmed by how fast we were moving. I began to like worry that we were going to roll over when we took corners or bump into the cars in front of us. And so I was shouting at him as he was driving, saying, be careful of that car. Watch out for the cyclist. Yet he never took his eyes off the road. He simply patted me on my leg. By the grace of God, we ended up actually getting to the venue and we got to the venue on time. Later, we were speaking a bit about the experience and he explained to me that as part of his advanced drivers, he was taught that to drive effectively at those speeds, he needed to remain focused on the chosen path instead of allowing the things around him to distract his direction. When I heard that, I realized that in the same way, the greatest threat to the vision of our faith journey this year will be distractions from the direction we are moving in. It's not necessarily the obstacle that's the problem, but the distraction it causes from our direction. There are going to be many unplanned moments and difficult engagements this year in your personal life. But the key is to avoid distraction from our direction. In fact, distraction is a threat to our destination. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, there's a kingdom principle around keeping our focus and not being distracted. And it's where the author writes, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, the things that get in the way, the things that distract, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We need to remove the distraction that could hinder the direction of our faith journey in 2020. And Jesus speaks about some of the things that distract the direction of our faith journey in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13 when he tells a parable. It tells us from Matthew chapter 13, 1 to 9, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And at this point, the disciples are hearing the parable that Jesus is sharing. But they are unsure of what it means, and so they ask Jesus what he meant by the parable. And from verse 18 to 23 of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus responds to their question and says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away.
The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And so there are two distractions to our faith journey that we can take out of the parable Jesus spoke. The first refers to the seed on rocky ground. This speaks of those who prefer the comfort of salvation's free gift without the cost of following Jesus. It says in that verse, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, the discomfort, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, because of the word of God, they fall away quickly or they quickly fall away. When we choose to follow Jesus, we invite his lordship to disrupt our preferences and plans as part of our progress in his purposes. It says there that when the trouble or persecution came because of the word, because of Jesus, because of his word, it meant that people would go through painful processes toward his purposes, interrupting their plans of security and comfort. Because I choose to follow Jesus, I can expect some uncomfortable processes toward his purposes. But very often when people experience this, they will react by saying, well, in that case, let me remove everything that could cause me trouble. And they begin creating comfortable Christianity. Jesus said that his followers would live lives bearing much fruit. But something that bears fruit needs to be pruned as part of the process to producing what God has promised. And the pruning is uncomfortable. So some avoid the process altogether and some simply run away. Many Christians look more like Christmas trees than fruit trees. They're put in a pot, but they're not planted in the ground so that they can grow and flourish. It's interesting that in this parable, Jesus describes this seed as having no root. The only way we develop a strong root system is by being planted. And in Psalm 92, verses 13 to 15, God's word says, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. In order to flourish in your faith journey, you need to be planted rooted in the local church, the house of the Lord. And roots are anchored in the giving of time, talents, and treasure to the kingdom vision that we have chosen to partner with. We are most like God when we give. For God so loved the world that he gave first, his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Therefore, we choose to live a life worthy of what Jesus died for by giving back our time, talents, and treasures to make a difference in the lives of others, extending the kingdom of God. Andy Stanley, the well-known American communicator, said, If you're not willing to give to the point that it impacts your lifestyle, then according to Jesus, you are greedy. We can often get caught up 
taking the free gift of salvation without being willing to give our lives as part of the cost of truly following Jesus. If that's been your struggle, I want to remind you and encourage you that discomfort is the price of admission to a life of meaning, and comfort zones are where dreams go to die. But if you will be planted in the house of the Lord, embracing the discomfort of giving your time, talents, and treasure in a way that disrupts your personal life, it will be rewarded with the fulfillment of God's promises and a faith journey in which you flourish. The first distraction we need to avoid is the distraction of discomfort. But there's another aspect to the distraction of discomfort we can often experience when we choose to get planted in the house of the Lord. And that is the discomfort of having to become accountable. When you're planted in the local church, you engage in relationship. It's no longer just Jesus and me. And that means there has to be a level of accountability, a willingness to allow others to speak into your lives in ways which might make you uncomfortable, challenge the old ways things have been done, and call you to embrace new ways in order to grow and move into the future. George Barner is the founder of the Barner Group, a leading research firm specializing in faith-related surveys. And he wrote in his book, Maximum Faith, Evidence shows us that many devoted Christians work hard at creating a developmental routine, but they lack any kind of accountability for transformation. You see, unfortunately, our culture has wrongly equated loving everyone with approving everything. And what we've done is in the church is created this culture where we uphold false harmony. We keep the smiles and tell everyone that we're blessed, but in fact, we're not willing to be held accountable for our mess, imperfection, and internal struggles. When we have this mindset, we easily take offense And then we claim we were hurt by the church we try to plant ourselves in. Our response is then to leave, to isolate or remove ourselves from the church. But the irony is that our healing is found in the very place that we are avoiding. Because in the New Testament, in the book of James chapter 5, 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27, God's word describes how we are part of the church and the part that we play is described as being a limb on the body as a whole. The church is the body of Christ and we are a limb on that body with a purpose to fulfill. Now, many of us will be familiar with the phrase, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. It means don't overact and do something that is more harmful to you than to others. Now let's apply this to our relationship with the church. Christians can often cut off their limb from the body to spite the church for hurting them. But they don't realize that the body will remain alive without the limb, but the limb without the body will die. So may I rephrase the statement we looked at just a second ago. Don't cut off your limb to spite the church just because you equated loving everyone with approving everything. You need to embrace the discomfort of accountability being planted in the local church to flourish, giving your time, your talents in treasure in ways that will disrupt your personal life for the sake of God's purposes.
John Bevere, the well-known American author, writes, We stunt our growth when we continually uproot ourselves from where God plants us. But my prayer is that as you choose to avoid the distraction of discomfort, you would flourish planted in the house of the Lord. The second distraction comes from verse 22 in Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus speaks about the seeds among the thorns. It says in that verse, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. People worry about wealth Because they buy into the lie that money is able to provide them with what only God can give them. It promises security, identity, and happiness. This is why Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 verse 13 of the New Testament, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, Jesus wants to be your master. Money wants to master you. In fact, the word money in that verse can be translated as mammon, which literally means God of riches. Money is a spiritual issue. The false God of riches wants to sit on the throne of your heart in place of God the Father. Someone once said the chief priests and Pharisees called Jesus the deceiver. The enemy is always trying to confuse us, deceive us and create division. He wants the truth of God to become a lie so that the lie can become your truth. Money tries to convince you it can give you what only God can provide. So avoiding the deceit of wealth that would lead you to worry requires a steadfast faith in God alone. In verse 22, it said, The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. The deceit of wealth chokes our faith in who God is based on his word. And we begin trusting more in what money can do than God can. Romans 10.17 says that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. But if wealth can choke the word... It means our faith is deferred from being steadfast in God and becoming rooted in our rands. You see, steadfast faith is not faith that moves God. Steadfast faith is faith that moves us to trust God when he doesn't seem to be moving. This applies to your family, your feelings, your future, and your finance. The first distraction is the distraction of discomfort. The second distraction needs to have a D too because it just sounds cool. (laughs) So it's the distraction of depletion. Those moments where you feel inadequate or it seems that you don't have enough or that you need more. Those moments that require you to trust God's heart when you can't trace his hand. As God calls you and I to flourish in our faith. There's always the experience of the discomfort, stepping out of the safety of the things we've known. There's always the call to trust him deeply, even in circumstances and situations that don't make sense. And this requires steadfast faith. Faith that is not necessarily to escape the potential distractions, but to embrace a continual walk on the path that we've started. Even when we're struggling. 
Because the truth is that the greatest hindrance to the kingdom of God is actually the kingdom of me. My comfort, my life, my way, my possessions. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17 verse 20, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I want you to take a moment, and based on that scripture and the context of our conversation today, I want you to ask yourself this question. What if the mountain needing to be moved by mustard seed faith in my life was the kingdom of me for the kingdom of God. Because a kingdom is ruled by whoever's on the throne. Who's seated on the throne of your heart? You see, in this parable that we've been referring to, the soil represents the condition of the heart. The good soil being where the seed could produce a great harvest. And for each of us, A commitment to being planted and giving ourselves to God's purposes while placing our full trust in Him is a heart issue, not a hand issue. May we not forget that everything driving our lives externally is determined by our internal spiritual condition. That the manifestation of the work of our hands externally will start with the condition of our hearts internally. So what is the condition of your heart as you embrace your faith journey for 2020? In Psalm 139 verses 23 to 24 in the Old Testament, the psalmist writes words of surrendering his heart to God. He writes, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As you navigate your faith journey for 2020, may you avoid the distraction of discomfort and depletion by embracing a steadfast faith, being planted in the house of the Lord, giving your time, talents, and treasure to his greater purpose, while trusting in him in moments where things don't seem to make sense. May you allow him to search your heart, to test your thoughts, and guide you on the way everlasting, ensuring the soil of your heart is able to produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 times what was sown.